think one of our challenges sometimes too is again, just figuring out ways to try to make it work, to get to a yes when something might not be a perfect fit. And so that's that's something that we're working on too, is figuring out, okay, how can we give somebody an opportunity that maybe isn't exactly perfect, but let's give this a try and then let's move on to the next big thing from there. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. I'm Adam Moore alongside Chloe Goodry-Reed. And in this episode, we'll be joined by Andrea Oswald, General Director of Procurement Operations and Supplier Diversity at Union Pacific Railroad. Andrea is a proven leader with over 18 years finance, accounting, and internal audit experience at a Fortune 150 company, and now has the responsibility of maintaining an industry-leading supplier diversity program. Welcome to the show, Andrea. It's a pleasure to have you on here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's our pleasure. Yes, 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 Andrea. Well, first, let's get to know you. Tell us a little bit about you and your role at Union Pacific. Sure, sure. So uh, last week, I just celebrated my 19th anniversary at Union Pacific, which sounds crazy when I say it out loud. (laughs) Uh, So I I started at Union Pacific right out of college, two weeks after graduation. Okay. Um, And my background's in finance. I'm a finance major and an accounting minor. Mm -hmm. So I started in corporate audit at Union Pacific, um, which was one of the traditional entry points into the company. Um, I did that for several years and then did several different uh, roles within the finance department, went back into corporate audit for several years, went back into finance, um, wow. doing doing a couple different things. Um, and then um, I was serving essentially as the controller for our procurement team and was given the opportunity to move down to the procurement team in a new role. Um, and so that was in December of 2019. Um, so then in March 2020, the world kind of shut down. And we so I'd been in my, my role for only a couple months when, when COVID happened and we, we pivoted to being remote. So that was an interesting challenge. You know, after after George Floyd, our, our team started having some conversations about our supplier diversity program. Mm-hmm. So Union Pacific has had a supplier diversity program for 40 years. Um, we celebrated our 40th anniversary earlier this year. So we're super excited about that. Um, we were the first major railroad to have a supplier diversity program. Okay. Ah, little known fact. I didn't yeah. know. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but candidly, um, over the years, our support had kind of gone up and down. 
down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. in 2020, we only had a half of an FTE dedicated to supplier diversity. And it was a lot of keep the lights on type of activities. So reporting, um, you know, tier two, things like that, um, but not a lot of new supplier identification or outreach or, or things like that. So our senior leadership went to, to senior management and said, hey, we, we need to do something with our supplier diversity program. And so we we added two full-time employees into supplier diversity, and then it came into my portfolio. And so it's been a great learning experience for me. So that was in September of 2020. So I am not quite two years into the supplier diversity space, but it's been such a great experience so far. I've learned a lot. I'm still learning every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Obviously, it's very, very different from doing journal entries in the finance department. Just a bit. <laughs> yes, yes. And so when you think about just like the transition and you said that it, it's kind of gone up and down, do you know how it really emerged as sort of a distinct branch and mm, why yeah. Union Pacific decided like this is something that we, we care about and that we want to try to focus some time and effort and energy around? Sure. So um, when you look at our history, there's a lot of things within the railroad industry, which you know, the railroad industry has been around a long time. We are not, we are not a yeah. new market. <laughs> um, a lot of things UP has really been an industry leader in. And one, I, I think in the, the DNI space overall, we really truly are an industry leader. UP um, was the first uh, railroad to have an employee resource group, which was oh. our Black Employee Network, nice. um, which has a year or two on the supplier diversity program. <laughs> um, but uh, that's something, again, that was created by the employees. And, and kind of evolved. And I think that because we're a leader in those spaces, supplier diversity has been one of those things that has, has been there because employees are saying, hey, we think this is important. And we, yeah. we think this is um, something that other companies are doing as we see, we see best practices. And again, kind of over time, just as priorities, you know, changed or shifted or leadership changes, um, I think it was one of those things that unfortunately um, didn't get as much love as it should have. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we still had good numbers, but we, again, we really weren't putting that time and energy behind it. And so it's been, been really good to see leadership's commitment to this space. I love That's that. That's awesome. Because, you know, a lot of times I feel like companies start supplier diversity programs as a means of or clients have acquired them to do it. So it's more like, oh, you know, we, we have to, as opposed to UP's approach, which was our internal employees have brought this to us and have said something that's important that we need to start thinking about. It's fun from there. I mean, I think that that's just a true testament to just the brand and the organization. Mm-hmm self to say that we're listening to our employees. And this was an outcome of that. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at programs like that to start internally that have that internal drive and intentionality, those are the ones that do last over a a longer period of time. Right. And, and and, uh, Andrew, I think you brought up a very interesting point on how, you know, you had great support and then it kind of waned. Right. And it was almost like in keep the lights on mode. I like how you described that. And now it's kind of come back again. Um, And I think you can really see the testament then 
to how since it was an employee internally driven uh, initiative, yeah, it did have a low period, right? And, and all of our programs see that, right? I mean, there's no program out there that is not affected by the ebb and flow of sea level sentiment, right? But it stayed alive. And I think that's the important thing for us to hear from Andrea's story is if we want our programs to stay alive, if we want them to stay relevant and realize that they have to uh, endure, you know, just the normal churn that we all see, it's got to be something that's intentional and internal and internally accepted, right? And and, and that is just a beautiful um, example that you're able to show us with the UP's program. Thank you. And you know, we now really do have great support from our CEO down. Um, our CEO gets a report out from our department head every month about some of our stats. Um, that's good. Might be getting a little too yeah. aggressive on some of our numbers. If you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> been, that's, yeah, that's I, I suffer from that same problem too. I hear you. I, I put some numbers out there and they're like, whoa, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's bet that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I, I'll take that problem any day. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Right. Good problem. Good problem to have. So since it's changed over time, what has been sort of the biggest things that you've seen that have changed over the period since you've been there 19 years of it? And now that supplier diversity is reporting up to you, what does the future look like? That's a good question. So one of the things that I, because I'm a finance person, when I came into this role, I started with data and I said, okay, let me, let me take a look at the data and what do we have? Who's, you know, who are our top suppliers? What spaces are they in? And we really spent a couple months on data cleanup, going through essentially our vendor master, um, doing a scrub. And it, we spent a lot of time just kind of getting our numbers right and really setting a good baseline. Um, so I definitely encourage if, if you're in this space, if you haven't done something like that, it's, that's a great step. We were pretty fortunate in that um, a, a couple of years ago, we had done kind of a SAP conversion, not Ariba, but a, a different version of SAP. So our data was centralized. Mm. Um, so it was mm. easy. It was there and it's and it easy to pull. And I wasn't stitching it together from seven different sources or anything like that. Right, right. That is really, really helpful. But having that data there, looking at it, getting it cleaned up, setting a nice clean baseline is kind of how we just how we went into 2021. And then we took a step back and we looked at our procurement process as a whole. And we said, okay, um, let's develop some KPIs that look at the entire process. So um, we start with new supplier identification all the way through dollars coming in dollars and spending. So my team has goals for supplier identification, supplier onboarding, bid inclusion, bid award, and then total spending. And so if we're doing all of those things right, it should it should end mm -hmm. up with dollars at the bottom. Right. Um, and, and candidly, when we were building the program in 2021, there the first couple of months, I did have some tough conversations with our, our department head. And I, when... And I, I said, okay, well, leading metrics, it's coming, it's coming, like, right. <laughs> and just taking a little bit of time for those, for those dollars to fall out. And then by, you know, the back half of the year, I, I referred to it as the snowball. Mm. And so the snowball really started rolling down the hill and we really started gaining momentum. Mm -hmm. um, but really being intentional about those KPIs was really critical to our success. And it did help, uh, again, leadership say, okay, yep, you're on the right track. I see these numbers all moving in the right direction. So other other places where I see the, the program, you know, we're, we're growing our spend, but I feel like we've, we've knocked out a lot of the low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I think as we continue going forward, we're going to have to be a little bit bigger and bolder mm-hmm. um, and yeah. think about things like joint ventures, for example, which isn't mm-hmm. a space that we've, we've been in before, or you know, partnering with some of our strategic suppliers and mm-hmm. how do we how do we do things together and how do we grow together? And mm-hmm. those are some of the things that I'm really excited about. Um, and when I look out in the future, I think that is amazing insight. I'm seeing the same thing too in the program that I'm responsible for. We're looking at an eight year roadmap and the low hanging fruit. Obviously, we know we know where to go pull those levers. But then when you start looking at like years three through eight, right? You're like, I know it's like I have identified the opportunity. I don't have anybody put in this opportunity, right? And I think it is going. We cannot wait around for the NGOs to fix that for us as corporates. As corporates, we have to go fix it for ourselves. I think what you were driving towards, I totally agree with you. And I think another step is going to be, we're going to start seeing many more groups of supplier diversity professionals coming together and saying, I have this issue. This is how I think we correct it. And then supplier diversity from a corporate side coming together and going, and here is the solution. Right. And I think that is very exciting, too. Uh, and I am looking forward to seeing those iterations come out. I think we're right around the corner from seeing that happen on a little bit greater scale. I also loved your point about starting with the data. And I think it seems yes. intuitive, but you would be surprised at how many companies don't start with that. And it's sort of an afterthought. And mm-hmm. I think it's something that needs to be evaluated at least every I mean, in, I think every organization is different, but mm-hmm reevaluate and relook at the data hygiene that you have every mm-hmm. years because you may mm-hmm. be missing some of your spend, particularly when right. that PI, you have to know where you are today to know where yep. you're in the future. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so critical for goal setting. And again, to just kind of put that stake in the ground and, and really assess, okay, here's where I'm at. And then I can set a good goal, but let's, let's, let's start fresh and, and really, again, kind of understand where, where we're starting from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that you guys have also set up those KPIs because yes. sharing what your team is doing with leadership and externally and all of the you know resource groups internally, you have this essentially a dashboard and you can show your progress over time. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we don't think about, oh, we should set KPIs for our respective supplier diversity teams internally. I mean, I haven't yeah. seen a lot of corporations. I don't know, Adam, have you seen that a lot? It is definitely not uh, commonplace. I, I know that when you start talking to programs that are in that kind of Fortune 150 and above, you yes. do have leaders that are, are that are thinking that way, right? I know that is an initiative that I'm personally driving to in that we're now taking commodities, assigning them to different supplier diversity managers, and then looking at that commodity and going, we think you have 10% growth potential inside this category. We're going to charge you with 4% this year, right? Mm-hmm. And so we do put that on them. And, uh, you know, we do have some fail-safe metrics. It's not like in supplier diversity, you have signing authority, right? right. And that's not a little bit, that is a hamper, right? Mm-hmm. I have to rely on somebody else to choose to use the diverse supplier and sign the agreement. So though we put a 4% growth target 
on this individual. We also measure, well, we do our best to measure. How many RFPs did you have diverse suppliers included on? How many times were they down-selected? Uh, did we let any contracts go, you know, fall through the cracks? How many new suppliers did you introduce to the, the buying groups? So we try not to just leave it at 4%, good luck and goodbye. There's some other metrics around there to try to show that, yeah, maybe we didn't hit 4%, but we did X, Y, and Z, right? And right. so I think that's I think that's important. You have to look at KPIs for somebody in a supplier diversity profession in a very much 360, right? And not just rely on, is it 4%? Yes, no, pass, fail, you know, which unfortunately, sometimes if, if, if your department's sitting in strategic sourcing, you see that because that's how the sourcing people are held to. And that mentality sometimes can carry over. So again, we talk about it a lot. We have to be intentional with the way we measure supplier diversity and set KPIs. I think KPIs are very important. I think we should set them, but we have to be intentional and understand why we set that metric. I think that's a great point. And the other thing I would add, one of the things that we've done with our category managers and strategic sourcing is we've asked each of them to put a goal in their performance management um, mm. document for the year. And we've said, we'll let you pick which of the KPIs you want to attack. If you think that you need to really develop that supply base, then give yourself a, a goal for new supplier onboarding. If it's, in, you know, if you're in a space where you need to get more diverse suppliers on bids, give yourself a, a, a bid inclusion goal. Or if you want to attack spending, so we've let them, based on their category, choose what they want to do. Um, that we're expecting that everybody has has a goal that they're that they're striving towards. So, Andrea, so when you, so you started out in procurement and. And in finance, talk to us a little bit about how procurement operations and supplier diversity overlap and how, mm -hmm. you know, working in this sort of symbiotic relationship. Yes. So the, the other part of my job is um, what we call procurement operations. So I um, essentially oversee most of the centralized functions um, for our procurement team. So a lot of this is going to be reporting things like our inflation metrics every month. Um, our savings. I coordinate um, a lot of our strategic supplier our, our identification process and kind of the, the general process with our, our large suppliers. I also recently added ESG to my uh, to my my team. Uh, as well. So looking at sustainability in the supply chain and what are our suppliers doing about uh, about that area. So um, th it's, it's, it all kind of, it, it's, it's nice because I, I have a 360 degree view of the sourcing organization. And so anything that really goes across all the teams kind of falls falls on my plate. And I would say diversity really, it, that's one of those things, again, it's applicable to everybody within the strategic sourcing team. So it's nice to kind of have that centralized. So when we think about suppliers that you guys have worked with, is there any advice that you would give? Things mm. do not do. <laughs> These are things that I actually really enjoy. These are the best ways to connect with us. That's that's a good question. So um, being a railroad, <laughs> sometimes there is a little bit of a learning curve. You know, I think for a lot of us in the supplier diversity space, one of our biggest challenges, you know, with our internal users is resistant to change. And sometimes, you know, we're having those conversations with our internal users to convince them to give somebody new a chance can really be a challenge. And, you know, one of my, my favorite conversations, we had a we had a conversation with an internal user and we were recommending a, a supplier we had identified. And they said, well, we've been doing business with company X for 20 years. I'm like, yeah, but you don't like company X. 
Right. <laughs> but we've been doing business with them for 20 years. Like, yeah. yeah, but we found somebody better. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think it's just so, like the mindset. It's like, yes. yeah, just like you said, the, the comfortableness of something new. And mm-hmm. even when the, the thing that they're doing isn't working or it's yeah. not meeting your needs, it's crazy. Yes. Yes. So I think one of our one of our challenges for for new suppliers um, is we've got to remind them like, hey, hang in there, like help us tell your story. Anything that you can do, especially in some of the areas that are really specific to the railroad. If you have railroad specific examples, can you provide those? Can you or other heavy industry examples? Can we do some reference calls or other things that'll make it easier? us to get that internal buy-in is always really, really helpful. There's a couple things with the railroad that are non-negotiable. So safety is one, right? We're, as we like to say, we're an outdoor sport and, you know, safety is paramount to us. So if your company doesn't have a good safety record, or if we don't see that commitment to safety, it's, we can't really go much farther. Um, And obviously, you know, showing proof that you're on time, you're on budget, like in that construction space, that's really critical. Not having those delays, that's something our internal users are are really pushing for. And anything that they can do to really show that track record of success is so helpful. I, I think one of our challenges sometimes too is, again, just figuring out ways Um, to try to make it work, to get to a yes, when something might not be a perfect fit. And so that's, that's something that we're working on too, is figuring out, okay, how can we give somebody an opportunity that maybe isn't exactly perfect, but let's give this a try and then let's move on to the next big thing from there. So it sounds like, you know, since you guys have sort of revamped and revitalized the program, a lot of what you guys have been doing, you know, sort of foundationally is more the advocacy internally and mind share of just your internal category managers and employees first. Yes, that is absolutely true. We spent a lot of time last year doing what we called road shows and, and meeting with our internal users, both within the sourcing team and, and again, outside of the team. So one of the examples when I looked at our bid inclusion metrics, there was a specific construction area that was that was low, um, that was only including diverse suppliers about 20% of the time. So we met with the senior leader and several folks on his team and, and kind of explained what we were doing, what we're looking for, and then really tried to understand their needs. And they gave us some very specific requirements. Um, and we said, okay, now we know what questions to ask. Let us go, you know, let us go pound the pavement, see if we can find some, some other suppliers in these spaces. And if we do, will you guys meet with them and help us vet them? And they said, yes, absolutely. And so within a couple months, we were really able to move the needle on that metric. And they're some of our biggest advocates now at this point. So um, we've really tried to be intentional about who we're having those conversations with. And they're not always easy. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the good news is the, the vast majority of our employees get it, right? They, they understand what we're trying to do. They get the why. Um, that resistance to change is the, is the hardest thing. But I think, you know, it allows everyone internally to feel like they're being heard when you take the time to meet with them and understand their unique needs and requirements. Like we're trying to make this all work, not just for your team, for our team, for our organization and for our community. Exactly. Exactly. And we know we won't be successful if we are 
you know, pushing things that, that aren't going to be successful in the long term, right? If we, if we put a square peg in a round hole um, and the supplier fails, yeah. we will lose credibility. So right. it, it, it's not good for the supplier either that, well, they're not right. going to continue to win business. So we want to find those opportunities that are really going to work for everybody. Otherwise, again, it's a lose-lose. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I agree. I agree. Sounds like you guys are well on your way. Really does. So encouraging to hear this type of, of program being put in place. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're really excited. And again, as it's such a great space to be in, there's, there's so much opportunity and it's really nice to see the outcome of your work and seeing, seeing tangible things um, happen and within a relatively short amount of time. It's been, it's been such, such a great experience. And I've, I've got a terrific team who's, who's dedicated to this and passionate, which is so critical. And, and I think it really shows through in our results. That is wonderful. Well, we're excited to see all your progress. And obviously we're here to support you as ecosystem partners. And yes, more to come on that, I'm sure. More to come. Yes. And one of the great things about this too, is that there are so many supportive people in this industry Mm -hmm. Uh, and everybody shares information and benchmarks and um, is collaborative. This is true. I completely agree with that observation. Yes. Yeah. You, I mean, I just find that supplier diversity professionals and procurement professionals in general, even if it's a competitor that calls them, because this is not necessarily, this is not competing, you know, how are you building your supplier equity and inclusion program? I think that that information is always something that with that space, people are willing to share and experiences and their network to make sure that others are, su- are successful because I think we're all working towards the same goals. So it's important that we support each other. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming to show, Andrea. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Oh, our pleasure. Yes. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore and Oswald. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and check out our previous shows. Stay tuned for next time. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.